We are back. Episode 16 of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. It is Wednesday, July 6th. Teddy, weeks away from getting closer to the NFL season, I guess is what we should call it. We're getting closer to training camps and preseason games. And with that comes um, the end of us waiting in this miserable period where there's nothing going on. How are you doing this this early week in July? I'm doing well. Aren't, uh, aren't preseason games in like a month? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably around there like five weeks from now, I'd say. Probably the, uh, pr- yeah, uh, what's it called? The Hall of Fame game. Hall of Fame it's game. 4th, I think. Oh, wow. They're doing that early. I feel like it's usually around yeah. my birthday. Well, that's, you know, they do the that game and then all the other first week games right. the yeah, next yeah. week. Um. But yeah, a month away. I mean, that's awesome. I was just telling uh, my girlfriend, I was like, I was like, we're only sick one brag. month away. Last month without football, you know. Yeah, I know She's that like, is a sick brag. You. But yeah. it's just, it's funny because it's like I keep saying this, but it's like the dead period. It doesn't feel the same way it used to. Like it, it really does start to fly by, and and we get into all this stuff with training camp, and and you know. They've done such a good job kind of making the NFL season year round. And honestly, what helps a little bit, too, and, and we're not a, a basketball podcast, but there's so much news going on in other sports, too. Like, it, it really is a never-ending cycle. Like, outside of the NFL, I feel like the last few weeks have been mostly dead. You know, outside of this the Jets, is that I feel like time where there's like this no is the area no where sports like, there's nothing. But, other than baseball, you know, the, the NBA free agency, um, you've got baseball, so. Um, but then also, you know, like the conference realignment in college, that's been something big. So everybody has something to talk about, but we're just a few weeks away. And uh, before we get into everything today, Teddy, of course, we're going to be doing a little bit of a draft between the two of us of some Jets players uh, under pressure heading into the 2022 season. Um, but before we get to all of that, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same for the YouTube channel. Teddy's Twitter is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Like, subscribe, review the podcast, share it with your friends. Um, we appreciate you very much. Teddy, speaking of this dead period, we had nothing to talk about this week. Absolutely. <laughs> In terms nothing. of housekeeping anything i mean we we were texting earlier today not to say that we you know didn't plan this weeks in advance but we we're just sitting here like okay what are we going to necessarily talk about uh, was that today wow i think it was i think it was the this turnaround morning. time is is unbelievable we, we crush it. oh yeah we're, well smart minds smart minds move quick um yeah not a ton of news to discuss this week not a bunch of news not a lot to get into so we thought it would be fun to kind of just go back and forth five rounds and and take a look at some Jets players with a lot of pressure on them Um, and so we're going to get into all of that I have so graciously given Teddy the first overall pick because I guess he has decided uh, we we both probably have the same one one Um, but I made a little joke on here because like we always like to do housekeeping before we start off and I was praying to find something on the internet from the last week or so. And the two things that I could find were videos of Mac guy Becton working out on the 4th of July and how it was like, Oh, everybody Shout takes out. the 4th of July off, but look at Becton getting the work in. It's just like, okay, thanks for your service. <laughs> um, and then even worse than that was I saw an article and I, and I don't blame people for like, people need to write content. So they'll just take what they can get. But there was an article of, of Zach Wilson, just like he's gassing up his girlfriend on Instagram. It's like, uh, cool. What, what a good I'd headline to, there. I'd hate to I'm be the journalist that, that has to cover that. Like, oh, yeah, yep, I'm going to write up 500 words about Zach Wilson and his girlfriend on Instagram. Um, yeah, so there really is fun. no housekeeping. Um, and, and that's why I think we can just really get into this draft. Teddy, I don't know about you. We took a lot. I, I did. I said that we should take a look at the organization as a whole. Um, you know, if we wanted to include coaches, management, or just players, I have, I don't have as many outside of players, but I do have a couple of names in there. Um, we're just going to take a look, the 10 dudes facing the most pressure heading into the 2022 season for the Jets. And um, we did have a caveat, which I think we should mention before we get oh, started. Oh yeah, here. I almost forgot big, about this. Big caveat. Uh, we are not putting that guy Becton on this list. And I mentioned him earlier with the with the slow news day stuff of him working out on the fourth. Um, We have spent months talking about literally every episode, I think has started with him. Yeah. He's always always been in housekeeping. It's just going to continue, you know, like the same conversation all 
preseason, you know, it's just going to be that question of how's he doing? What's he doing? Is he out there? Is he performing well? Like it's nonstop. We want it as the understanding, like, yes, he is someone that deserves to be on. We understand he has pressure and probably at toward the top of the list in terms of guys in the organization that do have pressure. So we understand he's on there. We are just taking him out of the equation because we have talked about him too much. And um, that being said, Teddy, when you were making your list before we get into your first pick, uh, was it difficult to come up with your 10 or, or how did you, how did you form yeah, this list that you I basically, we haven't seen each other's? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to say that. So Blake and I are, are fully on the um, it's a, true draft you know we haven't talked about who we're going to talk about we haven't you know decided who gets to pick who whatever um for me i i just kind of thought in my head looked at a you know list of people online just to get the juices flowing and and just started jotting down names i think the first like five or six came pretty quick and then there was a few guys that i had like oh i could see that they have pressure um but like wasn't necessarily sure certain they were going to be in the top 10 and then they did end up making it. So like once I got to that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range, it, it wasn't super easy to be like, Oh, this guy's facing a ton of pressure, this guy. Um, but I definitely think, I mean, obviously it's a young team that needs to improve. There's a lot of, a lot of players, a lot of people in the organization who, who have a lot of pressure and, and need to perform this year. Um, and where, you know, the success of the team or, their position group or whatever it may be is going to be a, a huge for them or huge for the team. Um, I did kind of a funny thing and I, I want you to kind of try to do this, but it also, you know, you I can like answer it. both, but basically I, you know, for each player it's okay. Who's facing the most pressure, but then it's for some of them, it's okay. It's the most pressure to perform for the team in order for the I team to be good. And then some of them it's, most pressure for that person as a player, as a coach moving forward, are they going to, you know, the pressure of, are they going to get another job? Are they going to get another contract or whatever it may be? Are they going to stick around with the jets? So, you know, you can say team, you can say the person, you can say both if you want. Um, But, you know, as we go through, I will, uh, I'll be saying that as well. So I think, so, yeah. I think that's great that you said that. And then I think a lot for some of these guys too, you know, some of the pressure has been put on by themselves. And then there's some people that just, unfortunately they got pressure on them because of, of the fan base of maybe their salary, maybe their draft slot. So like there are guys on this list that didn't put this pressure on themselves. They didn't ask for any of this, but um, I, I just think that that's also fun to mention because some of these guys have put the pressure on themselves and then some of them, they, you know, maybe they're, they're fresh or they're new and, and because of what they are supposed to bring to the team that adds pressure. Um, so yeah, no, I like that. You said that, um, take it away. Who's your one, one. All right. Yeah. Well, with the first pick with, you know, the most pressure going into this jets 2022 season is the man on my Jersey. Um, Zach Wilson, number two, the quarterback. I see Blake, you're agreeing with me. I assume he was your yes. number one as well. Easily. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it's obvious, you know, and that was when I, when I started my list, I almost kind of wanted to be like, well, I don't want to talk about him first, but, but he deserves to be first because the pressure of the team is, is 100% on Zach Wilson. You know, he's the quarterback, he's the difference maker. And so for this one, I have this being a team pressure, like, the New York Jets, there's a lot of pressure on them to have Zach Wilson succeed in order for them to be a successful team. Of course, you know, Zach Wilson's going into his second year. He has pressure on himself as the player, obviously. But at the end of the day, I do think, you know, uh, excuse me, a number two uh, overall pick, even if he doesn't really show out, he's probably going to get another chance somewhere, even if it's not with the Jets, if he fails this year, you know, but but just to get into it a little bit, you know, I think that when you look at this Jets team and what we all think and what we all hope for expectations, you know, the difference between, OK, this is a five or six win, seven win team who, yeah, they showed some improvement, but they're still just not really there. And hey, we actually did see this step forward this year and they're an eight or a nine or a 10 win team. I think that just 100 percent comes down to can Zach Wilson make that year two jump? You know, um, 
we talked about it on an episode before. I'm not exactly sure, but I did, again, just kind of want to go over, you know, expectations, kind of like a bar to reach. Yeah. And, you know, I do really think like if we want to be confident saying, okay, this is a guy who we can trust to be our quarterback again in 2023 and beyond, you know, I really, I really want to see him get 4,000 yards. I mean, if, if it's a little lower, if it's a 3,800, yeah. it is what it is, you know, but, but to me, that 4,000 yard mark is the, is the like switch or the, the tier, the pinnacle of like, can you take that step forward and be a, a good to above average to great quarterback? Or are you still just going to hover around this kind of mediocre, whatever? Um, I want to see 25 plus touchdowns. And I want to see less than 15 interceptions. You know, those numbers are obviously not imperative, hit or miss. But at the end of the day, you Zach Wilson last year showed us flashes, right? We all saw flashes of greatness, flashes of the arm strength, the accuracy, whatever. But that's it's just not good enough. I mean, you look at the stats, you look at how he performed last year. Technically, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, you know, just by mm-hmm. how his yeah. play was. Definitely. So in order for the Jets to take a step forward, in order for us to realize this excitement that we have as a fan base, in order for the Jets to actually become a real team that's going to be in the playoff conversation and 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 get in those wild card battles, you know, he needs to be a reliably consistent quarterback week in, week out, you know, and yeah, the pressure's on. Yep, totally agree with you. He would have been my 1-1 as well, too. Um Plain and simple, like if this thing bottoms out, there is a legitimate chance. And I think we mentioned this in early podcasts that it was discussed on Badlands uh, podcast with Connor Rogers and uh, Joe Caparoso. Joe Caparoso. Thank you. That it it was like if this season, if, if Zach doesn't take that step forward and the Jets are sitting there with the top 10 pick they're probably going to go quarterback. They're probably going to reshuffle because that's just what the, the life is at that position now is if you, if you hold on to your guy too long, we've seen that cripple a team's, you know, rise. And if the jets are building around this quarterback and he's bringing them back down, you have to swap in another quarterback. Um, so there are, there is a, there's so much pressure on Zach Wilson. Now the jets have made things easier for him, which should be nice and expectations Long-term, you want Zach Wilson to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. For next season, if he can give me 2019 or even this past season, Jimmy Garoppolo stats, give me that all day because that contributes to winning. Jimmy G, 2019, when the 49ers went 13-3, and they made their run to the Super Bowl, completed 69% of his passes, just under 4,000 yards, 3,900, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Give me that. There it is. I mean, that's the line. There it is. That's what it is to be a winning football team um, with a good team around you where the quarterback doesn't have to be a superhuman. Now, if the completion percentage is a little bit lower, I think that's understandable. I don't know if he's going to be at 70%. He is still a little bit inaccurate um, at times. And if it's in the mid sixties, I'm I'm not going to shoot him over that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of worse things that he could be doing to me. It's it's got to move up from 55 or whatever. Exactly. It's got to be up. It has to be. And that's where I hope. And you look at the guys that they've brought in, that it changes that the the life being easier with three really good wide receivers, good tight end room, good offensive line. The Jets have done everything they can to make life easy for him. He now needs to at least be an average level quarterback, if not slightly above to give the Jets confidence moving forward into 2023 and beyond, because I truly do believe top 10 pick. And a, and a, and, a, and it, it needs to be, it's not going to be one of those fluky seasons where say, say things go terribly wrong, injuries, all that knock on wood. That's something that you can't put on Zach. But if this team is healthy, if this team is good and competitive and he is what's holding them back there, they, ha- they have no choice, but to, to make the switch at that point, because this class is fucking loaded next year. There's there, people think, I don't think there's going to be end up being seven, but there's at least five and probably a sixth quarterback that go in the first round. Yeah. And I mean, the, we're all excited about the pieces we put around him. I mean, I, I think obviously we need those, a lot of those to hit, but it, it seems like we're building to a place where we're, you know, a quarterback away and that's yep. either going to be Zach Wilson or it's not, you know, exactly. so the pressure's there obvious one-on-one for us both. Um, Blake, I'd love to hear who your number two guy is. I'm curious what you're going to think about this. And, and it's great. Cause like I said, I had a, the way I tear mine out, I have four guys that I have kind of in the same group. 
Um, I had Zach obviously as my number one guy. And then like, kind of like what you said, six through 10, kind of a little bit of like a, they have a little bit of pressure on them. Um, we talked about this guy the other week. My number one pick is going to be Carl Lawson, uh, edge rusher okay. for the Jets. All right. Um, just because, and this is, this is one of those guys where the pressure has not been put on by himself. There's nothing you can do to avoid a season ending Achilles injury. And, but the pressure has come from, he was the big signing, uh, two off two officially two off seasons ago. Now, you know, he's brought in as this big time edge rusher. You know, that Robert Sala loves to have this freak wide nine tech edge rusher that can get to the quarterback and maybe it's not sacks, but he's getting pressures. He's getting quarterback hits. He's changing the game up front and he was paid as such. And he, we've spent the last 16 months now, just like being like, we got Carl Austin. Like we have like this, this tone setter at the edge. And um, you know, one of the top three most important positions in football, I'd say right now, I, I usually go quarterback one cornerback and edge rusher are kind of getting going hand in hand together wide receivers up there too but plays an extremely important position should be the leader of that defensive line there's young guys around him not that he's super old but when you think of a you know opposite him you're gonna have john franklin myers and you're gonna have um, jermaine johnson quinnon's still pretty young um like they're he's supposed to be the leader of that front seven or at least the front line and um kind of just building into the prime of his, of his career. Like this is the time where he's supposed to take off and be one of those top tier edge rushers. And I don't know if it's his fault. It's not his fault that he got hurt. It's not his fault that the Jets fans are super excited for him to come back. But I do believe that, you know, the pressure is on for him to live up to that. Now he's not going to be gone. If this season doesn't go well, there's a lot of guys on this list that we're going to get to where like, if things go bad this year, he's they're going to be on a new team or they're going to be searching for a new job, et cetera, et cetera. But Carl Lawson's a guy where I think of like, who is the most important player on your defense. There seems to be a lot of expectations that he's going to be that guy. And uh, that's a lot of pressure for a guy that has missed an entire season. Hasn't been really considered as an elite pass rusher, but it seems like the expectations are for him to be one of the best. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I have him as Was my he on your list. Yep. Number three guy. Okay. Um, what what I do, I mean, what I want to push back on is, is, you know, you're saying he's a guy who, who, you know, he's still going to be here. That very well might not be true. You know, he, he, if he doesn't come out and perform this year, or if he ends up injured, you know, the jets have completely set up his contract to basically take no hit. I mean, it's a 300, $300,000 hit compared to saving $15 million if they cut him going into 2023. So it is one of those things where, yeah, we all, we all kind of agree um, that Carl Austin is a good player. He was, he was good with the Bengals before he came to the jets. He was good in training camp, you know, beating up on Makai every day. Um, But at the end of the day, the jets aren't going to want to pay 15 million and have their second or third highest paid player you know, be a guy who still hasn't gotten it done three years later. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I t- totally agree. The pressure's on for him. I think this D-line comes and goes with him. I think if he ends up not being a good player, then, you know, the D-line takes a big step back. What do you I have to say? I didn't, real, I didn't realize how, how, like you said, how yeah. cheap that, that cut is. They that was that the, out. That was the beauty of uh, of Joe huh. Douglas, you know, last year with these signings with Corey Davis and Carl Lawson was they were all two year deals, you know, and then we can get rid of you, which is something I loved about it, you know, but, but yeah, there's a, a, that, you know, so, so you have him as your number two guy on your list and didn't even realize that. So now like yeah. the pressure is immense for him. He has to of perform. Course. And I think this is, this is the only player that I put team and individual for gotcha. you know whether yeah. because it, it is like the team's going to kind of go carl Austin's very important to how how good this defense is going to be and you know how much do we have to rely on jermaine johnson but then it's also himself does he want to get another big contract and get an extension with the jets or, or or does he you know get cut and sign a, a smaller deal somewhere and have to go prove it all over again 
Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. No, that's a good point. I mean, got it. Imagine, uh, you know, knock on wood, but imagine another injury. Yeah. I mean, that's and just I, a, a terrible I think he's scenario gone in that point. You know what it's I mean? Crazy. Like well, Cause you can't, you, you can't, you, you can't roll out a third season. You'd have to either, you know, make the cut and then restructure or, but at that point, he's probably going to just want to go somewhere else at that point too. Wow. I'm glad you had yeah. him up at, up at three. I am dying to hear who I skipped over on your board though. And I, right. I, I wonder if it's one of the two guys that I want to take with my next pick. So Teddy with your second overall pick. Yep. So the second guy I have on my list is the defensive coordinator, Jeff Olbrick. I like it. Yes. Now um, I think we all remember how bad the Jets defense was last year. Um, and, and obviously, you know, they're young. They didn't put a lot of pressure on them to be good. The Jets kind of knew what they were getting into. But, I mean, the facts are the facts, and I, I think it's important that we just go through the numbers and kind of remind ourselves of what went down last year. So last year, the Jets led the entire league in points allowed, 504. That's tied for 25th on um, the all-time list in terms of points per game. So, I mean, you think about how many teams there have been in, in the NFL history, how many seasons, how many teams. 25th all-time is not very good. No, it is not. Um, the all-time record for overall points allowed in a season is 533. So the Jets are right there, you know, in that 500 range. And do you know who had that 533 points given up, Blake? It was the Baltimore Colts in 1981. Wow. Look yes. at that. Yes, Baltimore they went 2-14. and 14. Surprisingly, I didn't realize they still had, they had 16-game uh, seasons all the way back in the 80s, but I guess wow. they did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's just – as much as you want to say, Hey, like we knew this was a young team. We knew what we were getting into. Um, the, the numbers just don't lie. And, and it just simply wasn't good enough. Like you can't give up that many points. You can't give up that many yards. So when you think about this coaching staff, I do kind of feel like unless the world is ending and we're, we're at a, you know, rock bottom situation this season, I think it's going to be hard for them to make any moves kind of getting rid of the coaches. I think they're all going to stick together at least one more year. Yeah. I think Joe Douglas has done enough where he's positioned himself to kind of be safe for two more years and he's going to bring these guys along with him. But if one guy is to go, if they say, Hey, this was a bad year, we need to make a change. Ulbrich right now is, is number one on the chopping block after yeah. last year, you know, and you think about, Robert Sala is kind of the defensive mind you think of when you think of this Jets. It's not the defensive coordinator. So that is that kind of expendable position where, okay, you're not cutting it. We'll get someone else in here. Right. Now, you know, I kind of started this whole situation or, or pref whatever monologue I'm giving with, uh, with the, the Jets were very young last year, you know, and I think they've improved the talent on their defense drastically. I do, so much. you know, even, even if they're still not going to be a great defense, they, the step forward they've taken from a talent perspective is, is huge, you know? So, so I don't think it's going to happen necessarily, but the pressure is 100% on Albrecht to get this defense where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I, I think that's that's a great point. And like you said, there's there's a ton that went against him last year with how young the team was, and then you lose guys to injuries. But when you kind of look at the flip side and with the offense, it's like they at least started to pick things up at a certain point, and they got into a good groove at the end of the season. And, you know, I think of the Tampa game where they started pushing the ball down the field, and, and you saw some of the young guys with promise start to really pick things up. And don't get me wrong, there are guys on the defensive side that, that showed that they, you know, have earned their spots on the roster for the next year, but it just wasn't, it wasn't there. And, and so when you look at that and yeah, you're right. If there's a coach, if you had to pick one coach that, you know, say the season wrapped up in, in January, whenever it did this past year, and you're like, all right, we got to get rid of one of these guys. You're going to take Albrecht. Um, he's the guy that you're going to let go. And it's funny, like you said, Sala is the guy that you think of with the defensive mind, but he's letting Albrecht kind of run the show over there. Like he's letting him take the reins on that. And so, yeah, I like it. I had him a little bit lower on my list and I kind of probably with what you said too, I think this coaching staff is pretty set together. Um, and to the point where I think even beyond this upcoming season, 
to me, it's not, it's not fair that it should be this way, but I think that because of how much um, the coaches are respected. And I think that a lot of that hinges in with Salah. I feel like he is, I don't want to tip anything away. I don't have Salah on my list. Yeah. I don't I have want to tip anything. I don't, I don't have him on there. He was on my just missed because I truly believe that I think he's done so much good in the face of the jets where to me, like I really do believe, and it's not fair that he should be a scapegoat, but I do believe if the season goes terribly wrong, they just reboot things with a new quarterback next year and move forward. Not that that's fair, but it, it is probably the case. And we've seen it happen a bunch of times in the league before. Um, and it could, it could very well be the right thing to do because I do think the way that players talk about Salah as a person, as a coach, the way people talk about Lafleur, um, I think that this coaching staff is pretty strong. Um, so like I said, I had Albrick a little bit lower um but i still had him on my list so i i think that's a that's a solid pick and and yeah the defense does need to take shape you know next year and there's a lot of good offenses coming through new york and so um you know hopefully these young guys they've drafted can take steps up hopefully the defensive line a fully healthy defensive line makes life a little bit easier for that back end but um definitely needs to be some pressure on, on the defensive coordinator because if things don't go well that he is the guy that will will kind of get the axe Oh, now I'm because since I didn't have one of my top two guys taken, now I'm kind of trying to decide who I want to choose. Oh, but that seems like such a you got me stuck here, Teddy. I was hoping you were going to take one of these two guys. That's interesting. Um, I'm excited to hear who you pick. I think you might. There's a chance you might get them both because I don't think my next two guys interesting. you're going to have. OK, then fuck it. I'm going to stay on the defensive line. I'm going to take Quinn and Williams. OK. I'm going to take Quinn and Williams with my second pick. And we talked a little bit about this when we went over the defensive line um, reading the room series. Quinn and Williams to me has not yet lived up to his, his draft slot. And like I said, you know, sometimes you can't blame guys for where they are picked in the draft, but they invested a top pick into this interior defensive lineman who is, should be a beast on the field. And up to this point has had, you know, glimpses and he's had strong games and he's had good stretches, but it's not what you would want from, you know, a guy that you would want to be one of the top interior defensive linemen in the league. Now, up to this point, he has not had a lot of great help around him, but the pressure becomes heading into this season. This is where your money's coming. And this is the pressure for yourself. Like you're playing for that second contract right now, and you have the best situation around you to make the most out of that. So when I take a look at, at where they've invested in him, what they've invested in bringing him into New York and what he's delivered in the meantime, he's, he's a very good player. Like, I don't want to think that I'm saying that he's a bad player, but there is this expectation that the guys that you take at the top and a guy that's an important position on the defensive line, there needs to be some sort of takeoff and you would expect it to be this season, but um, kind of a, a, like a situation with Zach Wilson where like, if you're looking at these guys and halfway through the season, they haven't lived up, you know, you're like, okay, well, what do we do beyond this point? What do we pay a Quinn and Williams? What kind of contract extension do we give him? So um, I can see that maybe he wasn't toward the top of your list, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly the thing with Quinn and I think he is higher on my list. If I was just saying who's got the most pressure, I think because I had Lawson so high, I kind of wanted to put him down Quinn gotcha. down because I didn't want to just overload it with D line. So it's funny that you took them both back to back, yep, but back uh, to back, but no, definitely a lot of pressure and, and you hit it exactly right. It it comes down to, he's a very good player. Um, but is he going to take that step to being the guy we thought he'd uh, he would be when we drafted him? Is he going to be an all pro type of guy? Um, you know, for me, it's just like, like the, the, not for me, for the Jets, this contract uh, discussion is ongoing right now, you know, and kind of earlier in the summer, you know, there's articles coming out. Is Quinn and Williams going to get extended? Blah, blah, blah. I really think that, you know, based on what we know with Joe Douglas, I don't think he's in any rush to get that deal done. I think he wants to see Quinn and Williams prove it, you know, this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just and, and think that like, well, With that ahead. point, I just want to say, I also think Quinnen shouldn't want that right now. I, I don't I right. don't know what number he thinks he's probably worth, but I would assume 
he would probably also be, I think both sides are like, this is the ideal situation for me. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so, yeah. I just think this could be a year that, that for him, it's like, are we going to fran- like, are we going to franchise tag him and then maybe give him one more year to kind of prove it and, and continue to be a consistent guy and then just let him walk. Cause we don't want to pay him. Or is he going to step up and, and be, you know, a top five, 10 defensive tackle paid in this league um, as, as these contracts work, you know, so the pressure is 100% on. And, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't become a, an all pro like for the Jets. But, but I do think for him, money wise, the pressure is immense. Definitely. Well, cause it, yeah, if it doesn't work out now and the, the problem is, is too, is like, we still agree the interior defensive line isn't necessarily the strongest for the jets. And the expectation mm-hmm. is, is he can make up for a lot of that if he takes that next step. So, um, I'm just thinking about it. I'm, I'm mad that I told you Salah wasn't on my list. Cause now you can just wait to take him at like pick nine if you want, but Teddy moving along. Well, well go ahead. Yeah. But I have a feeling we're just not going to pick him, but that's okay. okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that's also <laughs> fair. All right, Teddy, third, third round, third, third pick for you. Yep. Who's got All pressure? right. So Under pressure, the pressure I am going with next, and this may seem a bit odd, um, but I'm going to say Brees Hall, the rookie mm. running back that we drafted at number pick or <laughs> at number, number pick, pick. <laughs> at pick 36. Um, the thing, it, it, the reason I say it's a little odd, you know, is because he is a rookie. Um, it's hard to have like immense pressure when at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, like if he doesn't really perform, it's not going to be the end of his career. It's not going to be the end of the world. Um, but I do definitely think for the 2022 Jets, you know, the pressure for Brees Hall to kind of be who we all want him to be and who they draft him to be is definitely there. Um, I think the expectations that the fans and even, you know, the overall greater NFL community has put on him are very, very high. That's fair. coming out of the gate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and granted these, these top, these top picked running backs who sure have t- taken, we we've, the NFL's kind of adjusted. They don't get picked in the top five anymore. They get picked in the second round now, but the number one, two, three running backs um, drafted in the NFL drafts in the past five, couple of years have really succeeded, you know, and they've they've done well and they've shown they're worth their picks for the most part. Um, so I think it's expected that the expectations are so high. That's a tongue twister. But I mean, Brees Hall is like the type of guy who he's already a top 20 back for fantasy this year for all my fantasy heads out there and he's like a top eight dynasty fantasy running back for the long term you know so nfl community has bought into him i've bought into him and when you look at how the jets were last year at rushing the ball we weren't very good at it yeah i liked michael carter we all liked michael carter we saw what he did the jets were still 27th in rushing last year you know and it it just seems like him and tevin coleman and ty johnson that's just not enough to get it done. Um, so for me, like in order for these, if the Jets can have a running game led by Brees Hall with with the uh, Michael Carter to back him up, where he's dominating, you know, and week in week out is is getting good push along the line and 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 you know getting those valuable yards, that will just be so so huge for this team. Um, so yeah, I think the pressure is there. I mean, I really personally want to see him rushing wise in the top i don't want to say top third even though that is what i want to say but i'll say you know top 18 to to top 12 type of back in terms of i want to see him have 800 to 900 rushing yards potentially breaking that thousand uh thousand yard mark because there's really no reason he shouldn't the jets are going to give him the ball he's also going to be involved in the pass game he's going to be out there on a lot of downs um so i mean he really should show out and if he doesn't, it's kind of like, well, hey, the Jets, they took that luxury, I say in quotation marks, luxury yeah. pick, you mm-hmm. know, in the beginning of the second round. And and they basically got just another guy for it. Yeah. No, I like the pick. And, and he was in my consideration for that. Like I said, there was a bunch of guys in that seven to even you could go as deep as 15 with this team. Honestly, I didn't end up having him in my top 10. I should have, though, probably looking at some of the names I've got at the bottom of this list. It's like, yeah, there should be more pressure on Brees Hall than uh, 
I wonder if I'll get to mention this guy's name. We'll, we'll do some honorable mentions at the end, but there's a guy for I have sure, on here where sure. it's just like hilarious that he's on my list. Um, no, no, you're right. Look, the only, the only counter that I'll give is that I think that this should be um, a rush offense that isn't a stud running back dependent. And I think you saw that in glimpses with Michael Carter. Um, you know, there were some games where he was phenomenal. He was one of the most efficient running backs in football last year. Um, and, and maybe I'm just stuck in my ways of like watching this offense run in San Francisco with a bunch of nobodies. And, you know, I think that um, everybody wants to have a great running back. Everybody does. But and sometimes it's it's been seen as not needed. So maybe that's why I bumped him down a little bit. But yeah, no, there should be pressure on him. You know, it's not even the fact that like, you know, yeah, he's drafted as the top running back of the class. And it's like, you're, we're, we're inserting you right into this as the lead guy. You are getting it. Um, the guy that we had here that we drafted it with our mid-round pick last year, we are going to make him your Robin. This is your opportunity come season. And um, the pressure not only on it because of that, but to help out the passing offense, the, the run establishes the pass. And they are going to harp on that the entire season because that is, that's just what this offense is going to be. It's going to be running the football setting up and making life easy in the passing game. So I totally agree. Pressure on Brees Hall. I am going to go with a guy that I think has pressure to make a lot of these other names work. And I was going to take him a little bit lower. And, and there's a mix of things. There's pressure on it for it to all click together this year. But there's also a lot at stake for this person. And I'm going to go offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. Um, and to me, I think he, everybody knows, like if this season goes really well for him, there's, there's going to be interviews. There's going to be job offers. There's a chance that he could become a head coach. If things go really well with this offense, the only problem with that is there's a lot of new pieces that they really have to make click early on and a very tough schedule early on as well, too. So not only are you bringing in a new left guard, hopefully a returning right tackle, a new rookie wide receiver, young quarterback, starting running back, all new tight ends. There are so many new pieces for him to figure out pretty quick because, like I said, if this thing doesn't really hum offensively, that is, it's not going to be looked at because of him, but there is the expectation that he is this guy that is ascending through the ranks of the NFL to becoming a head coach, and it's like, okay, how quickly can you make all of this work together? Um, so as a guy that I think should eventually work his way to a head coaching gig. Um, and, and just because of how well I think they finished last season, I think there's pressure on, on, on Lafleur to, you know, hit the ground running with all these young pieces, you know, help elevate Zach Wilson to that Jimmy G level at the very least to make sure that the run game is dialed up where they're, you know, bouncing off of Brees Hall and, um, and Michael Carter together to make sure that Garrett Wilson is being integrated into the offense to make sure that the tight ends are getting in a good relationship with, uh, with Zach Wilson. I think there's just so many pieces that have changed offensively that he is needing to kind of rein everything in and quickly, because like we've said, there's not really a lot of room for error, especially at the start of the season with the way the schedule rolled out. I'm happy you included uh, LaFleur. I'm glad that we get to talk about him. I didn't have him on my list because mm -hmm. of kind of what you said, where he's kind of in this position where if he does well, he's going to have a chance to at least get interviews, if not get a head coaching job yeah. next year. And then if he does less than that, you know, he'll probably just be able to stay um, and, and see if he can turn around, you know, in the next year. Um, I do like the way you framed it though, because the pressure for him is definitely in the, in more, less in terms of his career security than it is in terms of you got a lot of young guys and a lot of new pieces that we all want to see work and we all want to, you know, get, we all want to see this team win and it's your job to kind of get this offense humming. Um, so I definitely think when you think about it in that perspective of kind of fitting all these pieces together, figuring out the proper way to use, you know, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, figure out the proper way to use, Michael Carter and Brees Hall to where they're all still happy, you know, and you have a good locker room, but, but everyone's getting, you know, the correct amount of work for this team to succeed. So I'm happy you brought him up. It wasn't on my list, but, but definitely a good pick. Yeah. And I, I just think it's the fact that like, 
and and it's not their fault, but the Jets have been hyped up into this, like, this is where they take the next step. And then you look at the schedule and it's the fucking AFC North with yeah. four great defenses. And then you go into Green Bay and you've got Denver and it's like, a lot of teams that are are new and forming things, they need like five or six games to really get things humming. And when you don't have the chance to do that, you start out one and four, two and five, like that's an uphill battle to climb. And, and you're right. Yeah. It, he could, he could have a down season. The offense could pick back up next year with a new quarterback, or whatever changes they make. Like, it's not like if he doesn't do well this season, there's no future job for him, but um I just think there's a lot at stake for him where if it does go well, he could really speed up that process and, and, and get a gig soon. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I will go with my next pick. What am I on? My fourth pick, Your fourth pick. Yeah. My fourth pick, the number seven pick overall uh, players with pressure. And I'm going to go with number 84, Corey Davis. I'm glad you talked um, you know, a lot of people viewing this guy as the wide receiver three, um, you know, which we'll see where that where how that goes with these younger guys. But that is probably where he'll end up uh, seeing himself. Um, I think with Corey Davis, similar to Carl Lawson, we talked about it at the top was after the season, the Jets could cut him for basically, you know, nothing. I think it's it's almost seven uh, seven hundred thousand in dead dead cap which is basically nothing and then they're saving you know 11 million dollars um Corey davis just to kind of remind everyone he was fifth pick fifth overall pick in 2017 you know had okay first four years um with the titans never really became that guy that they expected him to be with that number five pick but almost had a thousand yards in his last year you know kind of stepped up in that fourth contract year um and the Jets signed him, you know, to a big deal, hoping he could be, take that step to becoming, you know, a number one wide receiver. And that was the goal. Obviously, that's not what happened last year. You know, he he wasn't a, a, a you know, clear number one on the team. I still think he was pretty good when he was out there. He wasn't, you know, the greatest, but he was solid. And then he got hurt. Kind of things got derailed. Um, but the thing with Davis is him producing this is the pressure on himself. You know, it's if he doesn't end up, you know, stepping up or kind of bouncing back from this injury, it'll hurt the jets. You know, this year, they could definitely use Davis, especially for uh, Garrett Wilson to get his feet under him for a bit, but it's not going to be the end of the world for the jets, especially long-term, but you know, Davis is either going to play himself into getting maybe another contract um, this, this next year, or re-signing with the Jets or them picking up that team option, or, you know, he's going to kind of fade away. And then what's next for him? You know, what kind of contract is he realistically going to sign when he's whatever, 29, 30 going into his third contract? Um, So, yeah, I think the pressure is definitely on for him. I I do think at the end of the day, hopefully, you know, he is going to be our third wide receiver. So it's not the end of the world, but for him personally and, for the ceiling of this Jets team, I think the pressure is there for him to perform at least reliably. I I completely agree. I mean, I had him on my list. I actually had him higher on my list than some of the guys that I've taken, but I kept bumping That's him funny. down because the, the I bumped him down once because because um, I took Carl Lawson and they kind of were in the same situation where like right. contractually they're brought in, they're expected to be something. They haven't let necessarily lived up to it too much. Um, and then uh, where did I go? I went back with uh Lafleur after that so I I had him pretty high on my list and yeah it's it's pressure on himself I don't think he said you know if if Corey Davis isn't isn't a great number three wide receiver it's not the end of the world for the Jets Uh, you know offensively it's not like they need to be a super three deep set when they want to be a run first team they've got good tight ends and a good receiving back like if Corey Davis is is not good you know at least he'll provide value run blocking that's that's really to that's me true. what it is and so um no i agree uh, a lot of it is on the line for him because he got that big payday after his one really strong season in tennessee and it's been a, a mixed bag it hasn't been terrible it hasn't been fantastic so totally agree he's definitely a guy um, with the jets that has a, a lot of pressure on himself heading into this year yeah and i think correct me if i'm wrong but one of those other two players you were deciding is still there or was that two ago? 
I I've completely I, I'll be completely honest with you. My list has I have not gone in my in my rankings okay. almost at all, right, all this right. entire thing. I keep changing it based off of like I keep looking at it and I'm like, who am I gonna take where? Some guys I think I can get a little bit later. Okay. Um well let's see what you got. Well, I, I also want a well-rounded list, and, and now I don't have that. I've gone defense, defense, coach. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to the defense. All right. Do whatever you gotta do, man. CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley. All right. CJ Mosley. Right. Let me hear it. There, there is nobody in this depth chart that is going to be a serviceable linebacker. He slipped a little bit. He's getting old. The contract is up there. His future with the Jets, I think we even talked about it in the Reading the Room series, is kind of up in arms. Um, or not up in arms, but uh, up in the air. Up in the air. That's what I meant to say. So to me, you're supposed to be the quarterback of the defense, the strong middle linebacker, as we've seen, you know, there have been some great middle linebackers that have played in this defensive scheme before. And, you know, a lot of it, as we said in previous episodes, they truly do believe that the lack of strength and power on the defensive line hurt the linebackers ability to win up front. Um, But regardless, getting up there in age, being paid a lot and maybe not living up to that, I just see... I just see a situation where like if he starts to really take a a dip down there, it's one of the most glaring weaknesses of this roster. It already is. And if he doesn't live up to at least what he was last year, then it's, it's, it's a, it's a very scary room in itself. It's, it's empty as it is. If he continues to decline, what answers do they have to replace him right now? Um, So I think it's pressure on the team and for himself, because I do believe his future should be um, at least a little bit um, in the air, as I said, or or in the arms, up in arms. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, this is not that similar. Our lists aren't that similar. Which I like, you know, which I like. And this, for me, the thing with Mosley is, I mean, it, it, I really don't know because I kind of look at him as like, I don't think he's going to be here in two years. You know, I think this is going to be his last year, but I say that. And then I'm like, well, who are we going to have playing linebacker then if we don't keep this guy around? Um, I definitely think with a guy like Mosley, I, I don't expect a guy like him to like bottom out. I don't expect him to be a liability. I don't expect him to be terrible, but I, I do think, you know, it's very real as, as he gets older, you know, cause he, he's always going to know what to do. He's always going to know the right thing to do. He's always going to be a good leader, but it's just going to come down to, does he still have the athleticism? You know, is he still in the proper shape to, to, you know, keep his play where it needs to be to continue to be a starter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not a guy on my list, but the pressure is definitely there for him. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Well, and for himself too, I mean, and it's kind of like what we were saying with Carl Lawson and 300,000 versus 3 million is a little bit different, but they do have the potential to cut bait with him and they lose about 3 million against the cap. That's a lot different than paying him 18 and a half million next year. Yeah. So that's, that's the crazy part is like, yes, he's only getting That's kind of why I do think like, sorry to interrupt, but that's kind of why I do think like, I don't see us paying 18 million to him. I mean, what's he going to be 32? Like I I don't see it. 30. 31 for the 2023 season and the but it's like you said if he's not at that level where you want to pay him that much money what the fuck are they gonna do yeah what do do you do with linebacker hopefully this next guy with pressure on him that i'm about to take i like my last pick let's hear it step up and that's quincy williams i like it um yeah that'll be my my final pick right is that the final one yeah yeah so so, yeah, the thing with Quincy Williams, I mean, the pressure for the team is obvious for everything we just spoke about with the linebackers. The room is just a weak room, it seems, unless one of these guys steps up. And, you know, currently Quincy Williams is is shoot in at that starting position. You know, mm-hmm. he's yeah. the guy who's going to get the nod. But is he going to show up and say, yes, you can trust me with this? or Or is he, you know, going to be just kind of a, all right, you kind of hover around, maybe you'll play a little, maybe you'll be on the practice squad, you know, maybe you'll be a special teamer. Like he could very easily kind of take that step back and just fall into those, you know, players 40 through 60 on a roster. 
Um, the thing with Quincy as well for the pressure that's on himself is, you know, the Jets already brought in Quan Alexander, uh, you know, for an interview or a workout or whatever it was. They already offered him some type of contract that that obviously didn't get accepted. But I personally think Quan Alexander is going to be a Jet before week one, you know, or it feels that and, way. and that what what that comes down to is how well can Quincy and some of these other young linebackers play when at the beginning of training camp, because I do think the jets are just kind of in this space where they want to get those guys. um, They want to get those guys reps. I mean, that's what they did last year. That's what they're going to do this year. They don't want to take reps away from these guys who could potentially fill that hole. But at the end of the day, they know, Hey, there's potentially this guy who not a lot of other teams seem interested in right, right now that we can just bring in and we know we're going to be able to trust him on the field. So I think for Quincy Williams, the pressure is, you know, number one, is he going to claim that starting role? Because there's a guy who might not even be on the team right now looking over his shoulder. And then, you know, number two, is he going to end up signing a contract, maybe re-signing with the Jets, getting a decent payday for, you know, five, six mil or whatever it is, or is he going to end up, you know, being just another guy floating around the league? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I didn't have him on my list. I didn't, and um, but it's it's a great point. And like you said, it, it, you honestly could pick anybody at the linebacker position. Be like, someone needs to step up. And, and there's a lot of potential fallout where a lot of these guys are looking for their next job if they do not perform. Um, yeah, I mean the opportunity the opportunity is right there. It's 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 going to be hard for him to not take it unless, like you say, Quan does come in, which I I probably would expect as well too. I think they just. I, I truly just believe they're waiting on him for the, you know, the injuries to kind of really clear up and be pretty confident, but um, no, that's a, that's a good pick. And wrap us up here, Blake. I don't have anybody on offense that I want to take. I should have just taken Corey Davis. So I'm, I'm going to have a, a full defensive room. That's fine. How many offensive players do I have? One, two, you have three, Zach. you, you're three, almost, yeah, five, three of five. So I, yeah, not too different. I am going to go with sauce Gardner. Okay. Sauce my Gardner. next pick. Okay, cool. I list. like that. I like that. Yeah. So sauce, like I said, some of these guys didn't necessarily ask for the expectations, but this is one of the higher spots that you've seen a cornerback go in a, uh, in a while. I mean, obviously he was the second cornerback to go in that draft class. And I think that there's That's a funny. really good opportunity where he, he looks great just because, you know, say Stingley struggles in Houston for whatever reason. But regardless, corners aren't really taken that high unless they're expected to be all level talents. You know, you think of Jalen Ramsey, who was taken super high. You think of what what pick was Durrell? Man, I feel embarrassed. I don't not even to know, think he was that. But high. Look, I put you on the spot there. We're just, I'm just going to pull it up while we've got this because. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, there's you're right, though, about that. I mean, these high corners. Even some who haven't worked out, I mean, the expectations are there, you know, with Okuda, Sertan, um, who else, whatever else the guy was, oh, he was uh, taking, last yeah. year drafted. He was taken at 14, so even he yeah. was taken 10 picks below sauce. I think what it comes down to is, like, we've talked about how bad this defense was, and obviously it's been so bad because a majority of our list is made up of defensive players on this team. But on the back end, and the way that this is a passing league now, the expectations are coming in and he's balling out. And, and, you know, of course they bring in DJ Reed on the other side. And he's a guy that could be thrown into this too, just because I think, you know, sauce has years to get better where Reed is a little bit more established, but I think the expectation is, is he comes in and he's the number one corner that's shutting down guys like Tyreek and Jamar and he's traveling around and, and because of how well he did in college and how amped they are about getting him with the fourth overall pick. Yeah. The passing defense has been abysmal for the jets for years and years and years. And he's supposed to be at least part of the solution and probably one of the bigger parts of the solution they've had. So um, that's, that's where I'm going to go. My boy sauce with my final pick. Yeah. I like the pick. I mean, definitely the, the expectations and the pressure just comes from being that, you know, fourth overall pick, uh, all the fans, all the NFL talking heads, you know, who are saying, what did, what did Peter, Peter Schrager say, you know, in, in flight 22, he said, this is a guy who's, who's should be a 10 year starter, you know, that, you know, is going to be out there producing. So those expectations are there. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, for me, this, this cornerback room, like that's what I'm most, when I look at where we were last year and where we are this year, that's like my, the thing I'm most excited about Day the room night. we improved the best. Yeah. Day um, so it's just, yeah. If he doesn't live up and he ends up being not that great, you know, that, that would, that would hurt. But when you, when you were mentioning the names, when I was looking up Revis, did you mention Jeff Okuda? Yeah, I said Okuda and Sertan, and I, I Horn thing, was the guy I was trying to think of. The thing um, with o- Okuda, and he's what two or th- two years in now, his third year. He, he's he was the third overall pick, and that right now is being looked at as like a terrible miss on their part because he hasn't lived up to that yet. So, like, imagine I believe he's not up. currently a starter. I believe he's he, like doing second he was, string. In, he got in hurt. K- or in he OTAs. got hurt halfway through, but if he is, that's insane yeah. because he was I think he I was expected that. to be like this top tier guy. So, I mean, yeah. that's how crazy like you know uh, these picks can be sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, you pray pray for any situation that isn't that. So, um, hopefully, Sauce can live up to those expectations. I mean, just the fucking schedule, dude. I'm, I'm going to keep harping on the schedule again. It's Jamar Chase. It's Chase Claypool. It's Tyree Kill twice a year. It's Stefan Diggs yeah. twice a year. It's Nikhil Harry. No, um, it's no. Uh, but we, I mean, going back to that argument that you know so many Jets fans had in the draft of of do we need to prioritize a cornerback because of these other because of these other wide receivers in our, our division and and on our schedule period and it's like make sure maybe that's not the only reason that the Jets need to prioritize a cornerback but that doesn't mean it's not real like yeah. we are going up against Stefan Diggs twice uh twice a year you know and and who's going to be expected to guard him sauce that's a lot of pressure who's going to be expected to to you know lock down Jamar Chase and T Higgins when we play them like sauce who's going to be on who's going to be on freaking Deontay Johnson or whoever it is on the Steelers yeah. sauce like all these all these yeah. stud uh Amari Cooper on the Browns there's so Got many good receivers in the Tyreek. league, you know. Yeah, Tyreek Hill is on the Dolphins. He's gonna be running around, you know, and hopefully Sauce is uh hopefully his length can can help it. him there. Up but yeah, no, definitely a good pick. Um, so yeah, I gotta say, Blake, I mean, I got I got four of my top five and five of my top seven. I love it. And I got three guys left on my list of 10 that were unpicked. Um, I have three on my list too, but there were three that I, they're, they're my eight, nine and 10 where I was just like, I, I have well. you on here. Go yeah. Through. Who are your honorable mentions? I wonder. If so my honorable on. mentions, I had Robert Sala, like we talked about. Okay. I mean, oh, yeah. obviously there's pressure for the coach when you have a bad team, but as we both kind of discussed, I don't really see them moving on from Sala unless we hit a rock bottom, you know, three or four win season. Um, another guy I had, I don't really think there's a ton of pressure, but Elijah Moore, just because Mm -hmm. I do think like there's a, there's a mix of a lot of people have just kind of been like, Oh, okay. Elijah Moore, like he's just going to fill in as that number two guy, whatever. I think Elijah Moore very well, like can kind of prove those people wrong and be like, don't forget about me. Like I showed last year, I should be, you know, thought about in this league as a top receiver. And I think there's just kind of pressure to perform, like more prove that out is wrong than actual pressure for when him. you when you show the glimpses that he's shown, it's like, what is this going to turn into? Can right. this be like an every Sunday thing? And then, you know, the last person that I had, you know, just had to get it in there was Denzel Mims. I was waiting um, to see if you had him on, <laughs> which, you know, I don't I didn't really want to talk about him again. But at the list. end of the day. The pressure is there for him. Like, like, sure, is he going to be an NFL receiver or yeah. not? You know sure what thing. I mean? Like, is he going to get cut from the Jets because he, he doesn't help on special teams? Is there any reason to have him be your number five guy? Or right. is he going to be a practice squad player? You know, so that's that funny. that's uh, it, it's pressure on, you know, the draft stock. It's pressure on him. But, you know, I, yeah. just, I knew I wasn't literally when I made my list, I just put I like uh, wrote out the names and then started putting numbers and I just put 10 next to him. Cause I was like, yeah. I'm not going to pick not him, mentioning, but I want him on my list. Right. Yeah. I was looking at mine too. I got five of my top seven. So I think we actually did kind of around what we both expected each other to do. Um, but my three guys I had left, they, these are three guys. That, and I, like I said, I, I don't even feel like they have pressure on themselves in their own ways. I had Connor McGovern on there because kind of like, with, yeah, you know, guys on the roster, they're heading into a season where it's like, if, if you're not 
if you're not worth keeping around, they're not going to keep you around. And and yeah. so for him and contract his next year. contract, yep. Like he's a guy they they were already looking at replacing him this offseason. The offensive line is much improved. So kind of like with Quinn in the defensive line, you're like, okay, he should probably be sturdy enough. But I do think that in the long run, they they could very well just cut bait with him after the season if he's just meh. Um, another guy yep. I had on my list kind of opposite with, with sauce is DJ Reed. And I think that's more so more so with Reed because, you know, for sauce to me, he's at least, you know, he's earned himself a starting job and he's going to be strong, but you know, there is a little bit of depth in corner where you would hope that maybe some guys can try and challenge Reed for that second spot. He's paid to be a starting cornerback, but I think given the fact that he's coming over to this team, and um, and he's playing opposite sauce, but there are guys that have kind of really been working hard at, at earning a starting cornerback position um, that, you know, there is some pressure on himself to live up to, to the contract he received. I like that you brought that up because I do I do agree. Like there's a chance Bryce Hall could show out, you know, and earn that spot. Obviously, they're paying Reed to, to, to have it. But yeah, but yeah no, I, I like that you brought that up because that is pressure on him to just win that starting role. Yep. Yep. And then my last guy, I don't even know why I have him on here because like, I, I mean, he's slated to be a starter, but I don't think anybody expects him to be a good one. I had LaMarcus Joyner on there just because like, I, I don't love what's behind him. I, I don't love what's behind him. He was one he of was the first names year. that came to my mind. I didn't yeah. have him on my list, but I mean, yeah. And, and it's not like if there. he's, it's not like if he's bad, it's the end of the world for the Jets, but he's supposed to be a starter. There's not great depth behind him and he's a little bit older. So you would hope that he is not a, great at depth least, behind him you hope that he's just like serviceable. Like, can you just be an average starter for us? Um, yeah. So that was, that was my, the last guy I had on my list. Um, so yeah, let me just run through this real quick. Teddy's list. He's got Zach Wilson, quarterback, Jeff Albrecht, defensive coordinator, Brees Hall, running back, Corey Davis, wide receiver, and Quincy Williams, linebacker. My list, I've got Carl Lawson, edge rusher, Quinnen Williams, defensive lineman, Offen- or Mike LaFleur, offensive coordinator, uh, C.J. Mosley, linebacker, and then Sauce Gardner, cornerback. So very defensive heavy for myself. Teddy got a, a good mix in there, too. I feel like I feel like on the graphic, yours is going to look pretty good next to mine, especially getting the white whale, Zach Wilson, at 1-1. And I just want to put it out there for a third time, and it's going to be on the graphic. We just did not want to talk about Mackay Becton, and so yeah. that's why he is yeah. not on this list. He should obviously be... You know, I don't know if you would have put him at 1-1. I would have at least had him at 1-2. I would have put um, him at 1-2, yeah. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we just were sick and tired of talking about him. But, Teddy, how did how do you feel about how your draft went? You, you feel strong with your list? No, yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're – uh, everyone we talked about, you know, has a lot of pressure. And, and I think you kind of got the more – like Carl Lawson and Quinn Williams especially are like, two guys who really have a lot of pressure, you know, who I just kind of lowered on my list because I wanted to talk about other guys. Um, but, but no, I mean, this is a fun, fun exercise. And I, I really like to see that, you know, our top tens were not similar and we had a lot of guys who the other person didn't even have, you know, so that's interesting. And it just goes to show you that there really are, I mean, what 15 guys that you can easily think of with, with pressure, easily. you know, a lot of pressure to deal with going in. So yeah, there's pressure on the Jets to be good this year and not continue to do what they've done. They freaking have done all the right things. I did just want to say, like, I kind of wanted to be just like put this out there that the person I really think has like not a lot of pressure is Joe Douglas. Yeah, same. Um, I didn't think just, about putting like, him on the list. Regardless of results, I know it's a results-driven business, but like the the success he's shown just in his process is just so insane. Like coming out of this draft with, you know, three of these top players on their boards and, and whatever, like there's no way that would be crazy. But I mean, you even, you even look at like, like, okay, sure. Every, every first round draft pick is a dart throw, but it's like, okay, well, I mean, if you have three, three and a half, you count three salts, like one of those guys is probably going to be pretty good. Probably two of them, you know? So so yeah, I just I definitely don't think, but but no, yeah, fun exercise for sure. Definitely, yeah. I I didn't have him on the list, but um, it will be funny to see like Zach Wilson takes a step back, um, or or doesn't take a step forward maybe because I don't know if there's necessarily a step back to take. Yeah. Um, but if Zach doesn't take a, a step forward, 
and and say the rookies don't really hit it off. I mean, there could be some semi pressure, but I think it, in terms of at least the 2022 season, I think he's he's pretty safe. Yeah, they would oh, need cool. to be really bad. Oh yeah, like awful, like all time zero and seventeen. Yeah. Cool. All right, Ted. Well, that was fun. I was I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get too much time out of it, but we're right around the hour mark. So so goodbye us. Good um, for us. Yeah, we're always doing that shit. Being yep, good. Always talking. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to an episode, another episode of Chasing Sixty Nine, a New York Jets podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, you can find us on Twitter at nyj underscore chasing sixty nine. YouTube, same page, Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Teddy, I'm going to get back to writing. Isn't that fun? Can't wait. to pick that right back it up. On here. When, when there's stuff to, to start talking about, obviously. But yeah, that don't write any articles about Zach Wilson's Instagram feed. Yeah, I will not. And I won't call Mekai Becton a fatty. And I won't do, I mean, some of the stuff that is out there right now. And, and there's a guy. And they're never going to listen to this, but there's a guy that fucking writes for Sports Illustrated that drives me up a fucking wall. Really? <laughs> I've sent you him a bunch of his tweets before, but he's just like the all-time woke. Nobody's going to... And maybe you're probably going to know who I'm That's talking about. That's all right. About. You're fine. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. For Teddy, I'm Blake. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>